DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast, where our mission is to inspire greatness in people who are chasing their dreams. We'll give you access to entrepreneurs and business leaders who will give you the fuel to chase the dreams that you have. Our guests want to give back to the next generation of leaders by sharing the details of their journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Please welcome the host of Hustle Unlimited, Donald Thompson, and this week's guest, Greg Boone, President and CEO of ICI Digital and the 2018 North Carolina Technology Executive of the Year. Guys, welcome. This is DT for another edition of Hustle Unlimited. And uh, as always, the goal for this podcast, uh, if you're watching this on video, on YouTube, on any of the platforms, is to give inspiration to the dream chaser, to give you the ability to take the lessons that you're working through, use experience that we've got, uh, to really take your business, your life uh, to the next level. And uh, without anything further, I'm going to introduce a good friend of mine named Greg Boone. Uh, he's a technology CEO in the area. And Greg, why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself, right? Where are you from? Kids, family, married, single, all that good stuff. And then we'll jump into some business stuff a little bit. All right. Appreciate that. So, uh, Greg Boone, I've known Donald for uh, eight years now, mm -hmm. just over eight years. Uh, born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. I went up through the uh, Durham public school system. Um, you know, I had a diverse background of experiences that uh, in life in general, a lot of it came from from sports. I actually grew up in a uh, low-income, all-black neighborhood, and um, but my diversity started to come about from playing sports. And actually, um, I went to college. I started at Howard University in 1995, uh, playing basketball and baseball, and um, some decisions I, I decided, uh, some decisions were made that I wasn't in favor with all the time as it relates to the team. Um, and I decided that I was going to uh, leave um, 
during the middle of my sophomore year and ended up down at uh, North, back in North Carolina. I see, I, I've been only away from North Carolina for a year and a half out of my 41 years. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, that brought me to uh, North Carolina A&T. And uh, actually that's kind of where my technology you know, uh, start began. I actually accidentally ended up in computer science. I was a business major at gotcha. first. Gotcha, okay. Right. And, uh, and I came down to uh, A&T and I was talking to an advisor and I said, what is the closest thing to computer-based information systems? This is something that was at Howard, that was in the business school, that got me a little bit familiar with how computers and technology were being uh, leveraged in business. And they said, well, we don't have that. The closest thing is computer science, which I found out quickly was not close at all. <laughs> it was very challenging. <laughs> and, um, but I fell in love with it. And uh, computer science, for those that have kind of gone through it, uh, what happens a lot of times your freshman year or your first year in that program, no matter what school you're in, there's, you know, let's say there's 100 people. By the end of that year going to the next year, there tends to be about 25 people, <laughs> <laughs> right? At some point, you know, the folks that maybe are a little bit smarter than me realize that this isn't for them, gotcha. right? So, but I stuck with it, um, loved it, enjoyed it. Um, that brought me back to Durham, where I'm from. I started working at IBM in 1998. Um, stayed in the area for the past 20 years in technology and marketing and uh, kind of the rest is history. No, it's good. And, and appreciate that. When you're going through the, the education phase and then out into the corporate world, what are some of the things that you learned from your first couple of jobs that as you grow as a leader and look back, that either you learned and excelled or you learned and you needed to do different? Yeah, um, I think the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that I learned as I continue to kind of grow both, you know, personally and professionally is getting to understand the value of everyone in an organization that you're around, right? Not just looking at, I think when I first started IBM, most of my conversations were really just with those folks that I could touch. My office mate, the small team of five that I was on, and I really didn't understand what the rest of the organization was doing. I mean, IBM being a huge organization, I get that, but there's still a much broader group that I just didn't really take the time to get to know, to introduce myself. But as I started to grow, I understood that I want to know more about the business. I need to talk to more people than just the development team I'm around or just the QA team, right? And I started to meet more on the HR operations, finance, have more conversations, understand what mattered to them, right? And then figure out ways that I could use that to network to make sure that it started to shape my view of everything that we were doing. Um, and the value that other folks were bringing, not just myself. Gotcha. So. When you think about learning as a business leader, what are some of the things that you've learned over the years that have helped you grow from an individual contributor in a company to a leader of teams and now a leader of an organization? I think one of the things as a leader, you have to get out of the mindset that only you have good ideas, mm -hmm. right? One of the most challenging things that I see for folks is you know, taking the time to actually listen and really understand and appreciate someone else's idea, right? As a leader, you know, things are going to be flying at you all the time. You got to be able to process those things. But one of the, the ways, the effective ways that I tend to, that I believe that I use, uh, the mechanisms that I use to make sure that best idea wins, right? Part of that is create that type of mantra within your organization. But the other thing is I tell people all the time, if your idea can get us 80% of the way or greater, I will never even introduce my idea. Right? 
because I know and understand that if I can embrace your idea, I'm going to get much more buy-in quicker, and we're going to get to the end result much faster and more effectively. Right. So what one of the, the tools I use is that mindset of don't even present the idea. Exhaust all of the ideas of those around you. Assess whether or not it gets you 80% of the way or not, and then try to embrace that and tweak it where you need to be. Oh, man, that's powerful. So the best idea wins. The pulling of ideas from others, and then really as a leader, one of your capabilities can be to take 80% progress from someone else, add another 15 to 20%, but they still get the win, right? It was their idea. Because it was their idea. Right. Right. At the end of the day, that's what a lot of people want from their leaders is for them to listen and embrace their ideas. When you think about people that you're looking for, I mean, you've obviously probably talked to and interviewed thousands of people, (laughs) Right. What are some of the things when you're looking for that next level contributor you're on your team? What are some of the characteristics that jump out at you that, that you always gravitate to? I think is folks that for sure have a passion about technology. And part of the ways that I assess whether a person has passion about technology, because one of the first questions I ask is, what are you doing in your field outside of work? Like, I don't want to know what you do from 8 to 5. What are you doing from 5 p.m.? you know, until midnight, right? What are the things that you're doing on the weekend that relate to your field of expertise, whether it's technology, finance, or other, right? What are the things you're doing? What is the ongoing learning that you're doing to ensure that you're going to be able to continue to grow? Um, That's one of the more critical things that I ask all the time. And I've been doing it for, you know, six to eight years now, really just looking at folks from that perspective. That passion, I think, um, if you can hone in on that, you, you know you got something special. No, that's pretty powerful. So now, uh, knowing a little bit about your background, as I do, I know you do a little uh, angel investing in different things and looking at different opportunities. When you're looking at entrepreneurs, when you're looking at businesses, what are some of the things that you like to see in terms of an entrepreneur's idea, their ability to execute the idea? What are some of the characteristics for winning relationships where you're willing to put your money and time behind an idea? I get in those conversations almost weekly. <laughs> I have one with a very close friend of mine, and one of the first things I ask him, and I ask this of everyone, whether it's an idea internally or something that I'm trying to invest in outside, is, okay, how much research have you done? Mm. Right. What is the one-sheet business case that you have for this? Like, I don't want to see your app. I don't want to see whatever your technology is. I just need to understand that you've done the due diligence that you've done, the homework, right? Because I'm investing in not this one thing that I see on your phone. I'm investing in this long-term business model that you said will create this amount of value by this time period, right? And without having that, it's really hard to assess. Um, So I think that's one of the things you just got to make sure the the planning and the preparation, whether it's in the conversation like we're having today or it's the planning and preparation of your business, or your new app, or the planning preparation of your wedding, right? You gotta do the homework. Um, and a lot of times, I talk to a lot of young entrepreneurs that don't want to do the homework. They just want to figure out how to be on Shark Tank. And they just want to—they want to start hitting the keys, man. They just want to start hitting the keys. And uh, the other thing I've—I've I've found is the folks that are successful and the folks that I, that tend to not be successful are those that want to listen, right? One of the best pieces of advice I've gotten as, you know, uh, much of it from you in this sense, but is being coachable, 
That's right. You're going to go much further if you can be coachable. And those folks that are coachable and willing to pivot. Like, I have no allegiance necessarily to any one uh, thing as much as success, right? right? So as long as my allegiance is with success, I can pivot as need be because I'm pivoting towards success. As long as I'm directionally aligned with success, I'm good, right? So that's just kind of the, the things that I would say. A lot of folks say you should be very passionate about this idea and that, and I, okay, I get that. But I want you also to be passionate about success because if I'm putting my dollars there, I need to know that you're gonna win. And I need to know that if this is not the winning solution, you can pivot to the winning to solution. To the winning solution. I mean, that's powerful what you said. A couple things, or a lot of things. One is the research, right? Because before you put your time, effort, and energy in something, do your homework because that'll let you know what's been done before, what's worked before, how you can tweak and adjust. And really, quite frankly, there's so many businesses out there the research is going to determine if you actually have something special or not. And the research is free. Once you start writing code, once you start building a website, once you start marketing something, now you're spending money. But the research, there's this thing called Google. <laughs> they just came out of this thing called Google that, that you can learn a lot uh, about what's already out there and really understand if you're, if you're different and unique. Switch gears a little bit outside of the, the technology space and just looking at what are some of the things you feel like you've overcome as an individual, right, to give you the self-image, the self-esteem to lead others in a winning way? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I do, anyone that knows me knows that a lot of the, the things that I get, you know, the, the personality, the, the traits that I have come from two things. One, my upbringing, right? I'm, I am a mama's boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. Right, so being raised a certain way where you're always trying to give, we, you know, we grew up pretty poor, uh, but you don't know it when you're in the moment, but we still brought in folks from the outside because we always, you know, recognizing there's always somebody else that's in a worse situation than you are, right? So never forgetting that. The other part is being a part of sports teams and in, in the positions that I played, I was always kind of that leader role, whether it's a point guard in basketball or pitching in baseball. You know there's a lot riding on your shoulders, so you start to be able to understand that dynamic, understand what it means to be a part of a team, leading a team, you know, delivering success. Um, but it, whether you play sports or you're a part of some other type of uh, club or organization, it's That's really awesome. about being a part of a team and understanding what that dynamic looks like. No, it's powerful. I mean, you know, one of the things in working with Greg and, and somebody asked me about you the other day in terms of what took you to the next level, right? I was bragging on you a little bit about you being the North Carolina Technologist of the Year. And, and I was just proud of you and still am. And I was just talking to them about it. And they were like, okay, okay, Greg's done this. And he exited this company. What makes him special? And I said, well, first, what makes him special is not necessarily going to help you. But one of the things I know about Greg is he's fighting for success, not just for him. And that meant he was always working harder and through pain he was personally going through because he was working for something bigger than him. And one of the things I always remember is you always wanted to retire your mom. You always wanted to, whether she wanted to work or not, you wanted it to be her choice sure. yep. and that you contributed to giving her that freedom. And having that powerful why uh, motivated you. And tell me, I mean, and we'll cut, you know, whatever you don't want to say, but there was a period of time 
that you weren't physically well. Right. Right? And only a few people, you're doing great now, it's way in the past, but you weren't physically well, but you still pushed through and delivered tremendous results. What kind of, like, tell me a little bit about that experience and why you wouldn't let any of that slow you down. Yeah, I'm I'm smiling a little bit because, so I had some uh, significant health issues in 2016. And, um, but I'm smiling because I think it was around 2012 or 2013, uh, 2011, 2012, when you first promoted me into a a management role or to uh, an executive role in the company. And uh, I remember it's been like the first month that uh, you promoted me. I got sick, and I, I, I called in sick. And um, I sent an email. I was like, I'm, I, I apologize, but I'm feeling terrible today. And uh, you called me. You say, hey, man, I, ain't really re- I didn't really promote you to get sick. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I was, like, this is your worst. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to take that. I'm that does not change the facts of my <laughs> circumstances right now. I am, I am genuinely sick right now. What do you mean to do with that information? That's all going on in my head. But what I realized, and you said, uh, and I came back to work like the next day, and there was like, uh, uh, what is that, that stuff? That like vitamin C on my desk. There was like <laughs> orange juice. And I was like, all right. Like I'm, I'm past the point of feeling that you're sending some type of message to me right now. <laughs> right? But the point being, Right. What, what I understood then is, and what you, you know, when I had to think about it in a moment, it's like, you know what? I've never actually known whether he's ever took, <laughs> taken a sick day. And that's the point, right? The point of it is, no matter what you're going through, you are in charge of the success, the outcomes, the misery, if you will, of everyone else outside of that executive room, everyone outside of that boardroom, outside of that CEO's office, right? You are significantly impacting their daily lives. Right. And so if you don't really get a chance to take a break, right, like I'm technically on PTO, but I was actually answering emails on the phone, right, all these other things. But because I understand that that matters more, it's not really about me. It's about my number one job is to keep the rest of the organization gainfully employed. That's right. And so that type of and I don't view it as pressure. I view it as an opportunity. Right. So um, I have an opportunity to shape the lives of so many people. So I take that with a lot of weight and responsibility and make sure that I deliver on that. And I think the thing I would add to that is it doesn't mean we don't have bad days. Right. It doesn't mean we don't have things in our personal lives that aren't perfect or or health things. It just means we got to handle that, but we still have responsibility to others and can't let it get in the way. And that's one of the... You know, there's a lot of reasons that I'm proud of you as a business person, uh, as an African-American young man doing it right. There's a lot of people watching you and cheering for you and hopeful because of your success and very, very proud of that. But you wear that mantle of success in a strong way. And, you know, I was talking to James Forrest in one of our previous interviews, and one of the things he said was uh, humble, hungry, and smart are the kinds of people that he, he was looking for, and you definitely, you definitely fit that bill. What are some of the things that you read, that you watch, that motivate you? And it can be business, it can be sports, it can be anything. What are some of the things you read, you watch, that, that motivate you? I, I'm the type of person I learn from everything that I do, right? And so whether I'm watching uh, an old comedy show like Martin, <laughs> which every once in a while I'll take a look at, I'm like, man, we've come a long way. Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> like, that is not acceptable anymore. <laughs> right? But 
you know, I watch a lot of things that are. I watch things like Game of Thrones, right? Uh, I watch things I'm like a, I'm a fan. Like, Continue. Like, like billions and Ray Donovan, like things that sometimes it's like you take different parts of it. Like I'm not going around breaking knees or anything. I'm not saying that, right? But when you look at this and you see there are some the underlying messages of, of strength and how you show it, and, and a lot of times you can take from things you can think you can take what not to do. That's right. Right. So a lot of times and I watch shows like American Greed where it's like, man, these guys had it all and they decided I don't ever want to be on that show. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't ever. You know, so I would say that as far as reading, I, I do read some on leadership books. I do read some on technology. I do a lot of um, I, I uh, get a lot of subscriptions to things online that are about psychology of dealing with people and working with people, mm. right? Because a lot of what we do as leaders, it's how can we best get along? How can we best drive? How can we best engage with those around us? So it's important for me. So a lot of things that I read are actually not directly business related as much as they are psychology related. I need to understand that one of the, the big pieces of advice I've always been given is always know your audience. That's right. right. And in our position as a leader, you have so much limit, you have so little time to figure out that person that you're across the table from, right? That person that's on the other line, right? So the tools and techniques that you can use to figure out so that you know that you can have the right conversation. It's always about personalizing the experience, right? I need to know what is the right thing to say at the right moment to the right person. That's awesome. If you look at the educational system today, how we were raised and came up in school, what would you teach young people that you feel like high school and colleges are missing? What would you add to the curriculum? Um, because I've been so immersed in the digital marketing space, I do think that there is a, a wide gap in understanding how technology is influencing minds, right? I think don't, people don't actually recognize how they're being influenced, right? They'll, one of the phrases that I always use is, tell me why you believe that, mm. right? Not tell me what you believe. Tell me why you believe that. But plenty of people will tell you they believe this, they believe that. Okay, that's cool. Why, why do you believe that? Right? But if folks spent more time understanding not just technology from a sense of being able to speak at someone, right, but to understand how the words that they're saying matter, understand how the words they are reading are shaping their own views, yep. right, I think that there, there's some element there. I, you know, a lot, again, a lot of what I am interested in is the psychology behind people, right? So I think some level of psychology, some level of understanding, market, like marketing should be like, you know, next to your ABCs, right? Like you need to start understanding. Like, That's right. Right. Because it applies to every business now. Every right? business. It, it doesn't matter if you are a university administrator that's trying to attract more students. If you are in the pharmaceutical business and trying to get more people to use the drugs that you're producing, if you are an automobile dealer and you want more people at the lot, right? right? Everybody needs marketing to differentiate themselves. And so I, I totally agree with, with that piece. And it's like, um, you know, sometimes you say that, you know, you're always selling, you're always marketing. Whatever word you want to use, they're the same to me. Selling, marketing, they're, they're synonymous. But we're always in that, that moment. You're, sell, you're marketing yourself. Right, you are marketing your product, and, and in many instances, you are the product. You are marketing yourself for whether it's for a job, for a relationship, right, for a loan, whatever it is. There's, 
and trying to, you know, a lot of folks don't understand that. They don't understand that every moment in life is some t- is an interview. Right. Every day is an interview day. Every day. And you have to wake up with that mindset. Right. That's like, I didn't know we was wearing hoodies today, so I wore a jacket. Because <laughs> I didn't know how marketable I needed to be in this. In this. <laughs> right. And, and unfortunately yeah. for me, I skipped that class. Yeah. You don't have a jacket that you hang in your office and keep on, no. keep on deck? <laughs> no oh, more. You got to do that no more. That's how you become really successful. That's how you know you've been really successful. <laughs> right? When you show up, you ask me to come to your office, I come and you got on a hoodie and I dress up. But it's a nice hoodie, though. I appreciate it. It's a nice hoodie, though. Yeah. It's polo. I, I see. <laughs> hey, look. So one of, the, one of the things that I've always been interested in, in terms of your progress and your your learning, is what would you what would you do different, if anything, along the way? Right when you look back, there's things that have worked out well. There's things that have worked out, you know, pretty good, but could have been faster. Right? right. What would you What would you have done different, career wise, life wise? What are What are some of those things, if any? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that are you know the the no regrets, right? Okay. So it's. But I don't know if that's true, right? Like, I would say that, <laughs> right? Because a lot of it, you say, oh, well, how do I know I would be in this position if I would have changed the past? Right, 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 right. But so getting out of the philosophy of all of that, I think the idea of, un- again, understanding marketing and sales more, right? Investing in the time to understand that more than the technology piece is something that has come natural to me. Gotcha. Um, the marketing and selling piece that's one of those things also you can learn certain elements but you have to first it has to click in your head that every moment is an interview right and once that clicked if i would have learned that sooner in life yep right, um then i wouldn't have to scrub my facebook page so much <laughs> but <laughs> that's a subtle nugget yeah. that i'm gonna amplify for the audience <laughs> that uh social media can hurt you if you have things out there that you don't understand that people are now looking at and judging you without your knowledge, yeah. right? And so you, you may want to uh, keep that in mind as you, you progress in life and leadership yeah. <laughs> and different things that you're doing. It, I don't think you would invite me to your Facebook page. for Nah, years. man. We, it, you called me. I was in Atlanta one day uh, on a business trip, and you called me. He was like, hey, man, you know, I like that. He said something about my pink shirt or something. It, it was... It was orange, but I could understand how it looked pink in the picture. But you know, yeah. So you started mentioning things over my Facebook page, and you're like, "Man, what?" He's like, "I'm trying to connect with you." I was like, "Based on how you already going in on this conversation, nah, man, I'm not giving you that access. We gonna keep our relationship outside of social media." Oh my gosh! So here's a here's a question: What was it like working with me? Like what? What would be well, like you? So what you taught me about was time horizon. So, right? At what time horizon are we talking? Because in the, <laughs> in, in the early days, <laughs> it was um, I would I would describe it as challenging, right? I think it was uh, it was only challenging because for me, I grew up again. I grew up in a a tougher you mm. know environment, right? So it didn't really bother me. The, the, the part that would be a little awkward it was how it affected others in those same conversations, right? 
It was like, I think you broke that one. It was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I don't know if it's going to make the tape. <laughs> right? But it's, but in the early days, right? But I think, and, and again, what I try to tell folks all the time is, and this is a, very, a hard one. I, I'll state it, but this is a hard one for people to, to really uh, execute on is, don't get caught up in the delivery. Understand what the message was. Right? That is a challenging one for many. Many folks will not separate the delivery of a message versus the actual content of the message. Right? In your delivery was, in the early days. In the early days. <laughs> right? Your delivery. And I had to parse back out and like, nah, okay, like he was very angry, clearly. Right? But what was he trying to get, you know? Right. Like that, oh my God. The, hey man, I didn't promote you to get sick. Like, like you were telling me a message, and there was a lot of different ways you could have told me that message, and I would have appreciated them all. But you needed to get there fast. And uh, but at, over time, though, you know, you caught on to the marketing side way sooner than than myself and others around. And you said to me, I don't know how many years ago now, six seven years ago, like, hey man, I remember talking to you about. Uh, I wanted to grow into this like CIO or CTO type role. And he was like, like you can do that. He's like, but this is where you need to go. And you started talking about this CMO and this marketing and you know, sales. Like, it's like you can do that, Greg, and you probably can do that pretty easy over the next, you know, five to ten years. But to accelerate your growth, if you just start to go down this path and look at these things, and what I didn't do was beat my head in the wall trying to go this path because this was the path that I was saying I needed to be on. What I took from that was hey, I need to really think about this, right? This guy that I watched in real time go from the toughest manager, CEO, leader I've ever been around to this guy that has now crafted a message that resonates with not just, you know, the few and the strong, but the masses. I was like, I should probably listen. And I started to listen. I started to embrace it. And I was like, hey, this is working out. I'm going to do more of that. And you absolutely have. I mean, and you are... You know, one of the things in your career as a marketer, right? I mean, you're a CEO, but really you're a marketer. Yeah. And you help brands of all different types digitally take marketing to the next level. And that's pretty powerful. Um, one of the, the other questions I would have as we get back into what can stay in the footage <laughs> is when you, when you look at people and they're across from you and they have a challenge, how would you teach them to approach it in a success mindset versus kind of a whining mindset? Do you know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. sometimes people will come and they, they have an issue and they're so wallowing in the now that it's hard to help them get to the other side. Like, How would you help people that are working through something but need to think about how to flip it in a positive way? Yeah, I think the so often when people have problems – instead of bringing you into helping solve the problem, they bring both the problem and they bring their biases of what the solution should be. Right? So the first thing you have to do is like, if you knew exactly what to do, you probably wouldn't be in this problem. That's right. Right? So let's start from a state of you got here because there were certain things that happened that didn't go as you expected them. All right, so we can start there. I tell people all the time, I'm not really interested in the why something happened, right? At our level, at the types of things we do, and in 2018 with the internet and Google and everything else, I am certain you're smart enough to figure out why you, this happened, right? Now let's talk about the strategies to move forward. 
right? But first, let's talk about what is the goal? What does success look like for you? And we'll work back from there, right? What do you want the outcome of this meeting to be, right? What do you want the outcome of whatever the delivery is? And then let's figure out how to work back from there. Let's let's figure out how to take a phased approach to set, you know, setting and resetting expectations to get to whatever the end goal is you're trying to achieve. No, that's powerful. One of the things that we can't run from is that we're African-American business leaders and in the circles we run in, there's not a lot of folks that look like us. What advice would you give for people that are in an underrepresented part of our population and how they should think about that when they're the only one in a meeting or they're trying to get promoted or move up and feel like their gender or their race or different things is holding you back. How did you think about those things over the years and not allow it to impede your progress? Because you haven't. Right. I think part of it for me is I, again, I had the mindset that every day I'm being interviewed, right? So that meant that every day I came to work or every day I was in a conversation, I needed to be the most prepared. I needed to be able to have the the most impactful um, um, discussions possible. And I needed to be someone that didn't just stay on the sidelines, right? Um, Whether you're right, wrong, or indifferent, I grew up and I was taught that you're going to have to work twice as hard, you know, to get to the same place, right? But I accepted that, and that was the same mindset that I took in everything that I did, whether it's in professional or in sports or in school, right? So you're going to have to work hard no matter who you are, right? So just do it all the time. Mm. I, I mean, that's good. That's, I mean, that's not good. That's great. What has been the best advice you've gotten? over the years? Um, some of the best advice, so I, I think number one is be coachable. Like I say that all the time. I, I can't tell you how many leaders I talk to, deal with, or I mentor, or if I've been around and you can just tell in the moment they are not coachable and it's not going to end well, right? That is one, and coachable can mean a lot of things, but part of it, it means to really be able to listen and then figure out how you can quickly apply those, those learnings. That's one of the things that separates a lot of folks from, from being leaders is their ability to listen, see an opportunity, execute against that in real time. In real time. Right. I would say um, one of the other things that um, a piece of advice, especially for folks that are trying to start and create a business, you got to find your niche. you got to figure out you can't be all things to all people. Right. If you think about some of the most successful businesses in the world, if you think about Twitter, right? Twitter is a niche on the status line of Facebook. Right? Facebook came out, they had a status line, Twitter recognized that people only really care about this status line and my picture associated. Okay, let's do just that. Right. Right. So if you can find a niche, find a focus area, um, no matter what it is you're you're doing, right? If you're doing landscaping, figure out if you're doing high end landscaping for million dollar homes. Right. If you're, uh, you know, whatever your business is, just you just have to find a niche. Gotcha. Um, the third piece of advice I would say is learn to be an active listener. Right. And as you're listening, you know, I wasn't allowed to have my notebook out, right? <laughs> but I was promised that I was going to get recordings from this that I could then go <laughs> take a transcript and then take some notes. But one of the things, and I jam up people all the time in interviews for this, all the time they show up in the interview, they slap that notebook on there with the pen, and they don't take a single damn note in that whole meeting. <laughs> and after I get to the end of the interview, one of the first things I say is like, 
So you remembered everything that we talked about today. So I can start quizzing you, right? They're like, what do you mean? It's like, you didn't take one note. You brought a notebook. Photographic memory. <laughs> right. Because the <laughs> point is, every moment is, you know, every moment is one that you can learn from. That's right. Right. So even if you're the one that's supposed to be teaching, right, you can learn from those experiences. That's right. Um, and so I'm always one that's trying to learn, and, but I'm also trying to, to test messages and apply it in real time. Yep. Now, I mean, the only thing I would add to that, because that's powerful, is that people think success is more complicated than it is when it's really a accumulation of good ideas from smart people that you're around, and then you try them. If they work, keep doing it again. If it doesn't work, stop it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's not as complex as, as people try to make it. So if you had a magic wand, there's a lot going on in our society, our world. Yeah. If you had a magic wand and could make some change in the world, what would you do? Um, I think it goes back to, to my comment before about, I think that as the internet started to take off and as social media started to take off, I think we owed it to our, our children, to uh, society, to start teaching the power of influence, right? If I had to go back, like, you know, so I think my father-in-law, um, you know, he was born in, in, in Costa Rica, and uh, he'll send me these messages at times, and he'll send some link to some, just some fake website, and it's like, oh, this is, the, hey, um, I, I just won a million dollars or something, right? And he's sending this, like, you know, how do I, how do I process this? I was like, let me teach you something. <laughs> that ain't real. <laughs> right? But at the same time, you know, so those are the positive things that people are still kind of getting hustled on. Um, but then on the other side is the, you know, there are the negative things, too. They're coming in where people are really embracing these, these negatives. And I see a lot of the cyberbullying. I see a lot of the, you know, I read a lot about, again, I'm, in, I'm, I'm heavy into psychology. And I read all of these things about depression and how it's, you know, so prevalent in the youth today. And, that, that worries me. Right? I got an 18-month daughter, and I got another child on the way, and we try to limit screen time, and she's just looking at cartoons on YouTube. right? Gotcha. Just imagine once she's getting to things that actually will influence her. Gotcha. So, no, that's really, really powerful. One of the things I would, I would just end on that, that I would say in, in terms of success, you know, I've been fortunate to achieve a few things business-wise and still have plenty of goals that I'm chasing. But I'm super proud to see guys like yourself that have charted your own path and are doing big things but still haven't gotten too big to slow down and help other people. Right. And I just know for a fact that I've sent Greg uh, people that just might needed a voice of encouragement or a cup of coffee, and he's always been willing to do that. And so the last question I would have is, why? Because you, you're always still, you're busy. Like they may need to get you at 7 in the morning. Or at, you know after hours, but you always keep that open calendar at least a few slots for the next person coming up. And and why do you do that? I mean, again, a lot of that is is upbringing. And, and when I was on stage um, for the the NC Tech Award uh, a few weeks back, one of the things I said is I am very cognizant that someone gave me an opportunity. That's right? Amen. They gave me an opportunity, and I ran with it. Right? And 
I owe it to, you know, my family, I owe it to my friends, I owe it to people in the community to be able to also create that opportunity, right? When folks start talking about diversity and inclusion, one of the things that, you know, I've heard so many people say, well, I only hire the best people. I'm like, how do you know you hired the best people? You haven't talked to everyone, right? You mean you talked to the best person that was within 25 feet of you at that moment in time. Hey, hold on. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> did, you, did y'all get that on tape? <laughs> how did you talk to everyone? You don't know everyone? Right. No, I said, how you have say? you hired only the best people? Because you, you haven't interviewed everyone. There you go. Like, you have no idea, right? So for me, <clears throat> and here's the other thing. The other reason why I go talk to these folks is you've been a very successful person. If you believe that I should be talking to this person, then I should probably go talk to this person. <laughs> Right. No matter if this person is here or down here, there is a reason in which you want me to talk to this person. And again, you never know. know. I've created so many connections and I've figured out so many different business ideas from people that were asking me for advice. Amen. (laughs) I don't I mean, it's preaching to the choir a little bit. But what I would say, folks that are out there listening is don't let success pass you by because you're too busy listening to garbage on the internet or chewing gum TV and not having a cup of coffee with an actual person in front of you talking about dreams and goals and and how to make it. And, you know, we've surrounded ourselves with positive people and we try not to spend too much time with negative people. You think about it. Most businesses are created because you you are creating a solution for some problem. So I should probably talk to more people that have problems, right? I, I have built a pretty good, you know, background of saying, oh, that's your problem. Huh. Let's figure out how we can fix that, and it would be nice if we could also monetize it. So. Well, listen, I have absolutely enjoyed catching up with you. Always good, always fun, and appreciate sincerely you spending some, some time uh, as, we, as we go on our next journey, um, which is really what's our give back. And... One of the things that we ended on is, is why do we spend time with people, but it's also one of the reasons that we're delivering this podcast is because everybody doesn't have access to a Greg Boone. Everybody doesn't have three or $400 an hour for a top-flight consultant, but everybody can find those leaders in their community that are willing to give, and you're willing to learn and be a part of that ecosystem of helping each other. And success doesn't limit us. Success creates more success for all of us. And, and that's what's pretty exciting. So DT over and out. Greg. Appreciate it. Sir. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Hustle Unlimited. Make sure to join us each week for more conversations with leaders in our community. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, make it a great week.